This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 166, with Barry James Dyke. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hi there, MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and really excited to have on the show with me today, Mr. Barry James Dyke. Mr. Barry James Dyke is a best-selling author, advisor, and speaker committed to telling the truth about Wall Street and how it really works. An iconoclast, Mr. Dyke believes that today's financial service and retirement planning systems continue to serve Wall Street, the government, the media, Ivy League academia, and giant asset managers such as mutual funds more than the common man. Mr. Dyke and his advisory firm, Castle Asset Management LLC, has made a spiritual, intellectual, and professional commitment to act as an economic warrior that looks out for your best interest, not Wall Street. His books are a fantastic read exposing how Wall Street works, the pirates of Manhattan systematically plundering the American consumer and how to protect against it, the pirates of Manhattan, uh, the second book, Highway to Serfdom, and Guaranteed Income, A Risk-Free Guide to Retirement. Uh, highly recommend his books and very excited to have him on the show today. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Lobsher or by email at info at CashflowNinja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at CashflowNinja.com or texting CashflowNinja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. You can support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. And when you become a patron, you get access to our private Facebook page and a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. You can become a patron by visiting CashflowNinja.com forward slash support. Have you read Rich Dad Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start or to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinOps Properties at JoinOpsProperties.com. If you're not earning at least 8% on your cash, you do not want to miss the private lending presentation for non-accredited investors done by Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott. Discover how to create an income stream from real estate without the management headaches. You can access the presentation at CashflowNinja.com forward slash private lending. Spartan Invest have a proven plan and system helping investors creating passive income and wealth through turnkey real estate ownership in the exciting market of Birmingham, Alabama. Find out why Birmingham has got it going on, why it's a steal right now, why it's a millennial hangout, a hidden gem, and one of the most exciting investment opportunities you have never heard of. You can download your free report, Five Big Reasons to Invest in the Magical City of Birmingham, Alabama, at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Spartan. 
I've spoken about the most powerful system on the planet, on the show, the banking system. And my firm, Valhalla Wealth Financial, helps people reclaim the banking function within their own lives through leveraging the premium tools and strategies of the wealthy. If you're interested in reclaiming the banking function within your own life and the infinite banking concept, you can access a free webinar presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Mr. Dyke, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's always good to be here, here, and thanks for having me as your guest. Yeah, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Oh, sure, uh, Michael. Uh, I've been in, since in the financial service business now, I, hard to believe, roughly about 33, 34 years. I used to be in high tech. It would be prior to the financial business. Um, I've... Uh, I've owned a pension consulting firm. I've, uh, I've owned a third-party administration firm. I own a registered investment advisory firm. I have since 2001. Um, I've done work with uh, publicly traded companies, major publicly traded listed companies, venture capitalists, um, even some celebrities. And in general, I, I like doing business with regular people. Uh, I do, and uh, through, actually throughout the U.S. and outside the U.S. And so... Uh, I've written uh, uh, three books, uh, The Pirates of Manhattan, uh, The Pirates of Manhattan 2, and then Guaranteed Income. And that's how people have found out about me. And that, that I've sold over, I don't know, 29,000, 30,000 copies of the books. And actually, it was in 21 countries, but uh, as of last week, it's 22 because someone in my, <laughs> in, uh, uh, um, in, um, in uh, Slovakia bought uh, my books uh, last week. And I even know where that is, but I guess it's the old part of the old Czechoslovakia. But, that's just kind of about me, uh, a little bit about me. Yeah, that's amazing. We live we live in such a great time where information is uh, shared globally. So uh, that's really, really exciting. Now, Mr. Dyke, uh, your work is so well-researched, so well-documented. In your books, you document everything. Um, and the Pirates of Manhattan, Systematically Plundering the American Consumer and How to Protect Against It, you basically uh, started your crusade and your mission researching this book for about 10 years, I believe, and uh, identified and documented the system of institutionalized theft and plundering uh, that has at its heart this asset management complex. For people that are unaware of the system that they live in and participate in, uh, can you share some more information about this? Well, the thing is, is that a lot of these Changes have been happening gradually, but uh, what is we've really shifted today? You're on your own, uh, do-it-yourself pension system uh, uh, today. Where years ago, Michael, you know, uh, parent you know, people would go to work for an employer that have a pension, which is an annuity for for life, and then if they died, their their, their spouse would get a, a portion of a survivor benefit. So for years, you know, major companies had these things. Roughly 83 percent of the population. And uh, let's see, I think 1990, okay, uh, had uh, some type of a defined benefit pension plan, which is guaranteed for life. Today, it's only down to, uh, I don't know, about 7% of the publicly traded companies uh, that have them. Now, the, the governments are actually, conversely, government pensions for state municipal employees have got much, much bigger, and that's another problem to itself. But So what it ha- we have now, essentially, we have the 401k, uh, which is... Uh, a, a, the retirement savings plan, which was only meant, by the way, to be an, an ornament of a, of a retirement plan, but now it's become the main event. So what you have today, though, is these giant asset managers, and you're in Pennsylvania, I believe, Michael, so you have 
giant companies like Vanguard and, and, and State Street and Fidelity Investments and BlackRock, which is the biggest, and all these other mutual fund companies, T. Rowe Price down in uh, Maryland, okay, they essentially control all these people's savings. And the thing is that these asset managers, even even Vanguard, they just collect a, a fee, uh, and the, but there's no really stewardship per se or looking out for people's capital. So they control, this, essentially the fund companies really are, uh, control the whole market. And Wall Street loves the, the fund business because it makes their job fairly easy because in the old days they had to call on thousands of uh, customers. Today, they only have to go to Vanguard and, and Fidelity and people like that. It makes their process a lot easier. So, But the thing is, is that so you have companies like, uh, say, ExxonMobil, AT&T, Wells Fargo, all these companies, um, their own, maybe only the majority ownership or at least 20% of the ownership is owned by, say, State Street, Fidelity, uh, Vanguard, and BlackRock. So. It's it's all verifiable, and uh, so but these mutual funds have tremendous tremendous uh, pe- uh, power over people's savings. But conversely, Michael, there's no there's no legal responsibility to protect people's principles, which which is incredible. But that's the way it is. So we we have this this enormous casino, uh, and it's not just the, in the U.S. By the way, it's the same thing, and and uh, uh, somewhat to a certain extent in Europe, but um, where they're gambling with everybody's money and there's no accountability and the asset managers make it, make a ton of money, even if the market goes down. So that's, that's where we're at. And to stick to the, the, the financial, uh, the business model of financial institutions, they want your money. And these companies now get your money every other week uh, from your paycheck before you even do. Yeah. And so they have the use of the money and and it's, it's really, so they, and the thing is, the money's, you know, for someone listening, they're young and say they're 30 years old, your money's in a lockbox or a straitjacket for the next 30 years. And so uh, it's kind of like you're building a castle and you can't even get inside your castle and use it. I mean, so, you and, and, and generally you, you'll see is that uh, most people say if they have any savings at all, and, and America is one of the worst in the, in the world, um, if people have any savings in the world, generally it's in a retirement plan, and the retirement plan is really... Uh, under the stewardship of Fidelity or Vanguard or whatever, and um, um, so there's actually, but there's no really accountability. There's no, no. It's kind of like points in the scoreboard, uh, but you can't even utilize it. But uh, that's what's happened today. And this quote-unquote savings is done in securities, as you mentioned in the casino in Wall Street, and uh, a security isn't really secure. No, it, it, it's really I don't know what the word is for that. Uh, it's an oxymoron, whatever. So. <laughs> The thing, the thing is, the security is actually very unstable. And uh, to give you kind of to give to give your listeners kind of perspective, Michael, and uh, I'm a little bit older than you, but if you the dot com meltdown in 1999 2000, uh, this is the this is the high tech boom uh, 16 17 years ago, and I remember very very clearly. Uh, And this is when all these companies, uh, but but the thing is, 75 percent, and I'm not making this up. 75% 75% of the companies that were listed on the NASDAQ uh, exchange, which is one of the major exchanges in the United States, 75% of them, Michael, are no longer in existence. <laughs> They're no longer in existence. This is The Economist from London. This is not a crazy barrier, but this is another. Uh, so so we have this this incredible, uh, So, which we invest in security. So 75% of these companies are wiped out. It's unbelievable. 
Well, I'll give you, here, let this, I like examples, concrete examples. Let's give an example, Yahoo. You ever use my, Yahoo, Michael? I was, they have a great financial website, by the way. But Yeah. Yahoo, yeah. Yahoo was, was one of the darlings, okay? That was the darling. Um, in 1999, 2000, Yahoo had a market capitalization of um, roughly $90 billion, all right? Now, when I wrote my last book, which is Guaranteed Income, by the way, people can find out more about me by going to barryjamesdyke.com. Again, that's go to barryjamesdyke.com. But when I wrote the book, Guaranteed Income, I, I showed how Yahoo went from market capitalization and value of the company went from $90 billion down to $30 billion in 2015. Now, do you know what, know what officially happened this week with Yahoo? It, it was sold to Verizon. Uh, and it was, it was, it's a done deal for $4.58 million. Now, so Marissa Mayer, who destroyed the company's so value, okay, over a four-year period, okay, she was, a, yeah, she was a Google insider. She was going to turn around the company. The only thing she turned around was her paycheck. She, she vacuumed out over $237 million. And the company went from a $90 billion uh, valuated company 16, 17 years out, essentially to $4.5 million billion so she made a killing and uh, but the common shareholders now and yahoo was a success story <laughs> that's correct so you know it was one of the nasdaq ones that survived so my point is is that so this is the, and they're doing with other people's money and if people want to read another book by the way uh a guy a, a economist i had on one of my radio shows a guy by the name of john uh k he's a uk uh, economist and uh it's all done with other people's money Right. And now a lot of people would say, well, why isn't this information out there? Why is this not talked about uh, in the media and, and all of these mainstream outlets? Now, there is a, a, a relationship that can only be called unique between the media, entertainment corporations. I think the, what is it? it was basically six major corporations that controlled yeah. all of the media. It might be down to five now with Time Warner and the AT&T deal. But anyway, there's a relationship between these uh, media and entertainment corporations and Wall Street mutual funds and this asset management complex that you talk of. Can you share this relationship with my listeners? Yeah, sure. Well, sure. This is the thing is, and actually there was a guy, it was a, a wonderful guy, a guy named Danny Schechter. He wanted to do a, a documentary movie on this, but unfortunately he died from pancreatic cancer. And I, and I in fact, dedicate part of my book, last book to him. Just a wonderful guy. And he was a guy, he had three Emmys, and he was just a wonderful guy. But I showed it to him is that you have these major companies, like you're in Pennsylvania, where you have Comcast, and that's kind of a, or you have um, uh, News Corporation and um, uh, ABC, which owns, you know, or Disney, which owns ABC and so forth. So you have five or six major companies now, which essentially own most of the media, okay? Because of, and, and, and the thing is, is that the major advertisers, of the, the, the Cantor Media in New York City did a uh, survey, Michael, where the three largest advertisers for uh, for media companies, whether it be print, newspaper, uh, television, radio, and so forth, were number one was uh, uh, the car companies, and number two was, I think, cell uh, phone companies, and the third was asset managers, uh, financial institutions. So a major in a, portion of the of these media companies revenue comes from these asset management industrial complexes so they're not going to really uh reveal uh, or open up their kimono and really take a, a hard look at, at what, what they're really doing to, to the american people 
so the thing is, is that, and I believe me, Michael, I've, I've been I've been introduced to CNBC and uh, NPR and all these folks, and even on the not-for-profit NPR type of things, you're not going to hear this stuff because you know they're major uh, advertisers of people like TAA Craft, who essentially has a monopoly on the scientific and the not-for-profit uh, 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 industries in terms of asset management, but so. You, so, but this is the irony of the whole thing, but the shares themselves of the company, and people go, if you don't believe me, go to yahoo.com, go to put in, say, something like Disney Corporation or Comcast or um, one of these companies, go in there and click on the uh, holders of the company and then click on major shareholders. And if you do that, you'll see that the major, these major media companies, are in fact, owned by the, actually, the mutual fund company. So it's, it's, but the, but it's, so, so that's where you have it. So you have these major, <laughs> so the major companies which are owned by the mutual fund companies, and also receive uh, a lot of advertising revenue. So it, it's just, a, it's just dysfunctional stew. But uh, so it's incredible. And um, and um, uh, to give you some pers- perspective, let's let's talk about Wells Fargo just for briefly, just to get off the. So Wells Fargo is a major asset manager in the United States. I mean, this is the bank that you know. Found uh, they found 2.1 million uh, uh, cases of identity th- uh, theft, essentially, which is I would go to jail for if I did one or two people. But Wells Fargo can do it for 2.1 million, and no one goes to jail. <laughs> it's incredible. The the major shareholders of, uh, and I'm not making this up, are Vanguard, which is in your own backyard, and right. uh, Warren Buffett. Right now. The insider ownership, share ownership of Wells Fargo is less than one tenth of one percent. So, so the insiders, the, these these managers, the managerial class, if you will, have really no skin in the game, Michael. So, what what has happened is they have no skin in the game. So, what you see is the uh, John Stump, who uh, oversaw this whole mess, uh, uh, and Carrie Tolstead walked out the door with two hundred million and one hundred thirty-seven million, respectively, and. Um, so, so this is there's really not there's really no consequences for their malfeasance. Right. When you when you and I do it, it's identity theft, and there we're we're looking at a jail cell if it's done by the insiders. It's uh, I I believe uh, it was the New York Times that called it aggressive sales tactics. But another another thing that ties into this, and you touched on this in your book, The Pirates of Manhattan Two: The Highway to Serfdom, which took you for, around about four years to research, was yeah. uh, the lobbying and this carousel of corruption that plays into to this uh, this uh, lobbying going on in Washington, D.C. Now, for my listeners that have never read a, a WikiLeaks email and that are not familiar of what's really going on behind the scenes, can you shed some light on this? Yeah, well, this is the whole thing. And by the way, I'm not, I'm a very conservative guy, Michael. You know, I, I, uh, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I read the Bible every day, you know, I go to church, so I'm, I'm about as square as you're going to get. So, um, but all this information is public information. But uh, what has happened is the uh, and, and people don't believe it, they go to OpenSecrets.org, which is a great, great website, by the way. Um, I forget who funds it, but uh, it discloses who pays what. So you have a a, a, a a bill which was called the Pension Protection and Relief Act of 2006, which was essentially an air, airlines bailout bill because you know they had all the airline business has been bailed out. I don't know how many times with the government. It's, it's ridiculous but in any event attached to that 2006 bill was a uh, 
provision, uh, which is uh, made essentially target date mutual funds part of the law. Because um, so, but and it was technically had a nickname of the called the Fidelity Relief Act because um, it, it, it essentially you know mandated that if target date funds mutual funds were used in retirement plans, then neither the employer nor the asset manager could get sued because it was a chosen default investment. So at, because of this airline bailout bill, which was attached to another bill by the lobbyist Fidelity and Securities in Industry and, you know, um, I forget what the Investment Company Institute, which is the mutual fund industry, um, they made this uh, default. So in other words, people are forced into this stuff. And if the stuff blew up, well, I have government immunity. So people say, what's so bad about that, Barry? Well, uh, in um, 2008, the, you know what the average target date fund loss, Michael? About 30%. 30%. So you get this wonderful bill, which is put, in, put into law by the Pension Protection Act from 2006, and then people lost roughly 30% of their assets. So, um, but, so but you, because it's law now, the, the asset manager can't get sued, and, and Fidelity can't get sued, and in uh, Vanguard. And Vanguard's a very big player in this stuff. So, um, um, you know, and, and I, I like the low-cost ne- ne- indexing, um, if you will, from an investment perspective. Uh, but the indexing does not protect your principal, and uh, but people have just been, you know, it's it's been brainwashed. Right, and that I mean, this ties into a ne- another question that I had. Since we're on bills, and I mean, the Pension Protection Act, you were automatically enrolled to in your employer's four hundred one k. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you basically had to opt out, and then if you didn't a- allocate assets, they would just do it for you, as you mentioned. Uh, with these target date funds. So, I mean, the question uh, becomes, I mean, uh, you know, are they really looking out for the public? And it ties into this new uh, Department of Labor ruling uh, legislation that just passed. Is this really about protecting the consumer or what is this about? Well, no. Um, Now, the thing is, I'm a fiduciary. I have been since 2001. So I'm a a registered investment advisor, which is essentially pushing everyone down that road. But (laughs) so the thing is, is that, it's really low. It's still putting people on their own. This, you know, it's what it is doing, Michael, is, is this pushing more of these assets into these index funds and, and into these ETFs, low cost ETFs, but the leverage and the debt, which is in, in this inter- system it, without any guarantees, it's, it's horrific. So, so anyhow, so I, I figured it out. And, and so, and this was uh, done by, um, a jihad by the Obama administration, and I read I read the uh, uh, the uh, piece that uh, I don't know someone had a jihad against guys like me, but any event. So the uh, and then this was pushed forward by Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, saying you know everyone's getting screwed. Well, the fact of the matter is is that um, they're not, and um, and the fact is is that the uh, the asset managers and I figured this out, Michael, because I've done the mathematics on it, is that. Uh, asset managers make more money on a, on a rent ongoing basis. This is why Wells Fargo and Morgan Stanley and all these folks really love this stuff because they're going to make more money on an income stream from the um, from the fees. So they're going to k- kind of kill the individual advisor's cash flow, the little guy, you and me, okay. But it's going to be a great deal for the banks. So there's going to be so they and the banks didn't want to have the money. They saw money going to safer things like insurance companies, and they didn't want that to happen. Um, so, so did it really benefit the little guy? Uh, well, it hurt the little guy and it hurt, it hurt the small investor. Cause even myself, I mean, I've, 
I've never turned people away, but now I'm like, you know, gee whiz, do I want to go through all this aggravation of helping someone with little money? And I, um, I have to disclose everything and I have a business to run. I have people to pay. I've, I've got, uh, I've spent over $45,000 in technology in the past six months. Someone's going to pay for this stuff. And so what has really happened, it's, it's another, uh, case of, uh, uh, Wall Street looking out for the, you know, for the, for themselves and the little guy getting screwed. Um, but this is, this is what you have in America today. Yeah. And it's the same way with the whole accredited investor thing too. If you, if you think about it, yes. I mean, uh, it sounds really nice, the PR of protecting the public, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the long and the short of it is Wall Street doesn't want to compete with anybody for the smaller investors. Yeah, and the and the whole thing, these major banks like Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, you know, and I've done business with Goldman Sachs, and you know, they do a lot of good things. Okay, and I'm, believe me, I'm a capitalist, Michael. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to give up my iPhone. I don't want to give up my Google. I lot. I love capitalism. Um, but um, the thing is, a lot of these major institutions, i.e., Morgan Stanley, and Goldman Sachs, they wouldn't, or you know, General Electric for that matter, okay, wouldn't survive without the you know the Federal Reserve and letting them become bank holding companies. So. Um, but people don't understand this stuff. So you and I do. So hopefully we can push back the frontiers of ignorance a little bit. <laughs> now, and the, what is it? What are your thoughts on the Dodd Frank Act? Do you think that this is this is going to be repealed? Uh, who knows? I mean, you know, the thing is, is that there's, I, you know, I, it's, I don't know, two, three, was it two, three thousand pages of regulations or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, what, what, what I, I understand this is, and I'm not, I'm not a banker, but what it's really hurt is again, it's hurt the, the small community bank and uh, it's really kind of rewarded these big monoliths, um, because they have the, the scale to do all this stuff. And as we've found, um, and, uh, um, that these major banks, Bank of America is the biggest bank of America, Merrill Lynch is the biggest, even though they they're, they're so bloody profitable, even though they're getting fined over $54 billion since the financial crisis, they really don't get prosecuted, but, and the, they have, but they have the infrastructure for the, for the compliance and stuff like that. And even when they do get caught, no, no one goes to jail. So the thing is that it really hurt the small banks and hurt, hurt smaller investors. And, and that's kind of the gist of the Don Frank, but I, uh, you know, the, the major thing, Michael, it, it was was the repeal of Glass-Steagall Act in 1999, and that was essentially uh, uh, for those uh, liberally minded out there was that, and that was really the the uh, the, uh, the knife in, uh, in in the consumer's heart because that was uh, repealed the uh, separation between investment banking and traditional lending. Okay. See, because um, this has happened before in history. In prior to, in, in the 1920s, Michael, um, investment banking and uh, uh, and uh, traditional banking were were pushed together, and this would cause the you know the crash of 29. So in 1933, they put through the Glass Steagall Act, and it really served this country well for about 66 years. All right. right. So when Bill Clinton uh, repealed that in 2000, uh, uh, one, 1999, then all hell broke loose. And uh, people say, well, what's so bad about the repeal of Glass-Siegel? And I said, well, I got three words, Enron, WorldCom, and Global Crossing. These are three cases of major bankruptcies in, in the 19, uh, in 2000 and the 1990s, which were the, where Wall Street was lending these money to these companies uh, and, and also enriching themselves doing the uh, investment banking business. So this is what has happened. And, and, and so that was really the start of all of it. 
So that was really the major thing. You're listening to Barry James Dyke on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to passive real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. You're listening to Barry James Dyke on the Cashflow Ninja podcast and now back to our interview. Now, when I speak with clients and, and on this, this show, you know, I talk about you have to realize, first of all, that there is a system and there is this, yeah. we're, in, we're, we're caught in this game and then yeah. try to explain a little bit of the game. And, you know, it, it's good for people to get a little bit angry about this. And then the next step would be, okay, now that I understand that there is a system and a game and I understand kind of what is going on, well, what are some of the solutions? And you've touched yeah. on some great solutions. Uh, your last book, uh, The Guaranteed Income, I know that you're working on another one, I believe, but Guaranteed Income, yeah. A Risk-Free Guide to Retirement, fantastic read for uh, any of my listeners out there that, that wants to dive into to some solutions. One of my favorite chapters in your book, you share what elites do and actually what banks, financial institutions, and corporations do with their money. Now, you uh, uh, mentioned a very good example uh, previous to uh, starting this interview with Jeffrey Immelt, but yeah. what, Mr. Dyke, what, what do the elites do and what do banking, financial institutions, and corporations do? Well, I can't believe it. And this is why my faith in God is the most important thing in my life. But um, uh, I had this, I was hangling, and I, I knew this intuitively that, um, that I knew this intuitively, Michael, that, you know, a lot of these financial products, mutual fund stuff that they can't work. They know when over long periods of time, they just can't work. But so I knew that life insurance annuities work, but in any event, so I started digging and I, as I said, the re- first research took me 10 years, but so I started and I couldn't believe this, that I found out that the major banks, i.e. Wells Fargo, PNC bank, which I think is based in, in, in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, all these major uh, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, um, and then uh, the Federal Reserve and uh, major financiers um, such as Ben Bernanke and Janet Yellen of the Federal Reserve. And oh, by the way, and I just found this out a couple of weeks ago, Michael. Even Elizabeth Warren, uh, who was the, who wrote this whole Giad in the Senate. Right. Um, okay, but all but executives from you know Honeywell. And AT&T and Boeing and all these major companies, okay, um, all rely on life insurance and guarantees uh, to fund their retirement, to, to do a couple of things. One, to stabilize their balance sheets, and secondly, to fund their retirement plans. And they couldn't make any of this stuff up. <laughs> I couldn't make any of this up. So I, got, I think a great example uh, is, is Jeffrey ML, who announced his retirement yesterday, all right? And, which is in my latest book. And people can go to barryjamesdyke.com if they want to get a copy of the book. 28 bucks, they'll, they'll, they'll make them a million. So, any event, so Jeffrey ML presided over GE, which is the largest industrial company in the world. All right. Over his stewardship, okay, the, the share price has essentially lost about 40% of its value. It's gone from a company capitalization of roughly $440 billion down to roughly 260 280 okay? When he announced his retirement, actually the share price went up, but 
but Jeffrey ML, who essentially destroyed the value of the company, is walking out the door with an annuity for $4.2 million for life worth $70 billion. So here's a guy who's destroyed, destroyed the company's value, okay? Because GE in reality was a large, very large bank. Uh, but he himself has a, a guaranteed annuity. And this is, this is just part of his compensation as really the cornerstone of his retirement plan. But everyone else in Wall Street is saying, put in this mutual fund and, 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 and gamble with it. But the thing is, but these major institutions and these major executives all have fixed um, annuity and life insurance to fund their retirement plans. I, th- I think what really blew me away, too, is the research that you did into the, the tier one capital of banks yeah. as well. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I went online and looked, looked this up myself, and anyone can do this. What did you find? Well, <clears throat> people don't understand the, the structure of a bank. The most important uh, asset of any bank, Michael, as you know, is the, the tier one capital. Well, that's, that's the general account, and uh, that's the most important asset of any bank. Because um, the more tier one capital, the more they can lend out to the public. So the, the tier one capital has to comprise of very, very safe assets, i.e., cash, um, uh, gold, um, uh, treasury bills, things which are very highly liquid, which are very liquid and very, very safe. So, uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't make this stuff up, but, um, uh, but make, where the life insurance, which banks own, most of it resides on, on their tier one portion of the balance sheet. So the most, the safest, most important asset, asset that a bank can have um, is one of them is life insurance and annuities. And the thing is, is that just look, you don't have to look any farther than say someone like Wells Fargo, who actually has more life insurance on its books than it does in real estate and all its computer systems. But conversely, Wells Fargo makes a ton of money uh, gambling with your money, right? You know, in, in the market, yeah. So, so this is so so it's total hypocrisy. And I, and I and you know, and it's not just Jeremy ML like but at GE, by the way. But there's 3,600 other executives who have this deal as well. And and it's and it's and I'm not making this up, Michael. As you know, I pull this from the proxy statement, which they have to file the SEC. So I'm just a nerd who likes to think this stuff up, you know. Yeah, and all the other th- uh, the information that you shared, uh, you, you'd mentioned Ben Bernanke, you've mentioned Janet Yellen, Elizabeth Warren. I believe there was an article in one of the outlets, too, about Hillary Clinton, too, the same thing with uh, life insurance, permanent life insurance products and annuities. You know, th- when they file this, this, this is all public information. Um, so I guess the, the, the big lesson and takeaway is, is that while most of these institutions and individuals um, actually uh, propagate a system that where the average person should turn over their money to Wall Street, uh, take a lot of risk with their own money, have no downside protection or certainty and predictability in their own life, they do the complete opposite. Um, so yeah. I think that's one of the big takeaways. And the, the wealthy invest in things that they understand. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Is like I, you know, I, you know, I, I invest in, you know, you know, I have money in the market, insurances, and, and businesses, and so forth. But I understand. It's like Ted Turner. I think is uh, was one of the all time uh, investors. But I think Ted's worth like you know, like two three billion now. He's worth a fortune. But he sold his. Um, uh, you know, Turner Broadcasting to AOL, whatever, and he was worth eight billion. But uh, I think he's down like two or three billion now. Uh, but uh, 
he says, I, I can't understand this stuff anymore. He says, he, so he has all his money really in cattle and real estate and restaurants and things he understands. Whereas a lot of this stuff, you're really kind of giving your money to this big casino and then there, and people hope it turns into something. But this is the, one of the takeaways I want to give to your audience is any, any time do you want to get good at something, it takes time and hard work and and all that kind of thing. You were telling me about your journey before, but, you know, being an advisor, it's, it's, you've had quite the journey. And uh, um, the thing is, you can make something out of nothing, you know, uh, it, it's nonsense. And the whole thing, which, which Wall Street, and it's not just Wall Street, but it's the city of London and what have you, but um, uh, they're gambling and they're gambling with your money. And if you want to get good at anything, it takes a long time or practice and research and discipline and all that stuff. So, whole idea you can make something out of nothing uh, uh, is ludicrous. But this is what's being sold to the American public today. And a very big wake-up call for people uh, ahead, and a lot of people have already experienced this. And this, this is what we're warning about, people such as yourself and, and, and me um, on our, our different platforms. You write about the pension crisis, and this is bubbling yeah. to the surface right now. Uh, and this is going to play a very, very big headline role in the, in the coming years. And if you just uh, pair that with the lack of savings that we have, not only just in the United States, but it's globally, and this enormous personal debt, college uh, and student loans and, and autos and, and mortgages and, and so forth, and just throw into this, uh, this brew or this stew, rather, uh, this overdue market correction, uh, we're, we're in for a bumpy ride ahead. Yeah, only God knows what's going to happen, Michael. People ask me, and, um, you know, all, you know, the thing is that Americans' exposure to equities, you know, do you know, Michael, today, and this is not crazy Barry speaking, but Vanguard did an, an, an analysis in January of, uh, using Morningstar data, and they found out that people today, are more exposed to equities in their retirement savings today than they were in 1999, 2000, and 2006, and 2007. And anyone uh, who's, you know, uh, with any kind of a memory knows that that did not end well. So what you're seeing today is, so you have that, so you have all this tremendous equity exposure. And again, I'm, I'm not against equities, but... So you have, a, and this didn't end well. So the thing is, is that, but this is the irony of the whole thing is that in which people, I document in my book is that in 2007, 2008, the Federal Reserve, which is, which is the country's central bank, had 75% of its $4.1 billion 401k in fixed annuities. So the Federal Reserve essentially totally dodged the market meltdown in 2008. Because they had money, their money with insurance companies, and and again, people don't believe me. Go to my buy my book. I I, I pulled the when I found this, I couldn't believe it was. I think it was a God thing, and I found it and I saved it. But I had the Deloitte audit, which essentially verifies this. So, um, so we don't know what's going to happen in the future, Michael. But uh, uh, but but the volatility is still there. So I think protection of your principle is really. Uh, very, very important. And actually, this is what Benjamin Graham said, uh, who is the, essentially the, the apostle saint of Wall Street. And this is who uh, Warren Buffett loves. He said, any investment, you know, the first and foremost should be protection of principle. And this wow. is the Wall Street, you know, uh, the god of uh, Wall Street says. But so I think it's important, too. Um, but this is, um, I don't know if this answers your question. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And for listeners out there that they're not quite aware of this pension crisis that's already yeah. starting to happen with a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of public services pensions, teachers' pensions, firemen's, police, uh, men, and, men and women. Um, what are some of the, the big reasons, if you can give them uh, just a, a brief overview of, of why this is happening? Well, because the politicians essentially to get the union vote and so forth have guaranteed uh, beyond anyone's business. And that's just not just the U.S. This is, this is the same thing in the U.S. and in, in Canada and the U.K. as well. So what has happened is that we've got these very, very rich pension plans, which you can't get in the private sector. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and so, uh, and you're in Pennsylvania, am I correct? So, yes. um, but so if you look at and, and you'll see in my, the research and I have that in my, in, in pirates too. And then the, the most recent one, um, all these pensions assume that they're going to get high rates of return in the market, Michael. Okay. Right. <laughs> to, re, to, 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 now I, I'm a, hey, I can get a defined benefit pension plan. You can do it for the unions and the numbers add up. I'm all in favor of it. Okay. Right. But the thing is, they 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 overpromised, and they underperformed, and so you have a giant, um, like say Calpers, which is the largest pension plan in the U.S. Uh, with uh, roughly three hundred twenty billion. You know how much they made for on their rate of return, Michael, uh, on their pension plan last fiscal year? What did what was that? About about sixty basis points, less than one percent. But but you know what they assumed their rate of return, Michael? Was, was it seven or eight? Yes, yeah, seven, yeah, seven and a half to eight percent. So they have these, and, and if I could get seven percent on people's money, I'd have people lying from my office at the tip of South America. Okay, this is not going to happen. So <clears throat> you have these very, very rich pensions. Where uh, if you're a firefighter, you're a cop, or you're a teacher, and again, I'm not against any of these folks. Okay, where um, you can re- get a very good pension of uh, annuity for life, and um, so there's just an enormous liability. So while they're being terminated in the private sector, they're actually being increased in, in the in the public sector, and so this has turned into a it's a financial agamemnon. Okay, I don't know if that's the correct word to say, but uh, in Pennsylvania, by the way, is not, is not very good, very good shakes. But uh, so you have um, uh, enormous um, uh, liability. So it, and it's beginning to happen. This is why Detroit went under, and people don't believe me, Google it, go to Detroit, bankruptcy and pensions, or you look at Stockton, California, or Vallejo, California, this is starting to happen, all right? Or, or if you don't believe it now, you look at Puerto Rico. We have our own Greece in our own backyard. And Puerto Rico uh, defaulted with $74 billion in debt, but, the, but a huge portion was an additional $43, 42000000000 billion of pension debt. So you have these major debts, okay, uh, uh, incurred by the uh, by the municipal sector, state, municipal uh, uh, pensions, okay, which, which which are happening now. So they're very very unstable. So um, you so if I'm running a, pen, a corporation, say if I'm running a IBM's pension plan, uh, which is a big one, um, you have to have maintain a certain solvency or a buoyancy in, in the markets to, to remain active. Otherwise, the uh, the government, uh, the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation wants to look at shutting you down. So if I am a, I'm a private employer, Michael, I have to comply with a body of work called ERISA. And if I go below 80% funding level, they start looking at me. Right. Now, but you know, but you know what the Chicago firefighters is, is funded at? You know what their, you know what their funding ratio is at, Michael? Where's that at right now? 33%. Oh. So again, I'm not. You know, this is this is a major crisis. Um, 
So, uh, and you know, and so you have these major, you know, and the thing is, it's kind of a, Wall Street's in, involved in it again. So, because Wall Street manages most of these large pension funds, and they love it because it's a, it's a very big pool of capital. So, um, not that um, so this is this is what happens. So, but the thing is, we really want to do. So, what do you do about that stuff? And that's what I'm trying. This is the balance of my life's work is going to be about. How do we protect ourselves? How do we profit? Um, how do we prosper in the days ahead? Absolutely. And proceed with caution. And uh, one of the things that you've spoken about, too, is the first step uh, to is to invest in yourself. Now that we know what's yeah. going on is to yeah. expand your knowledge and increase your knowledge of really what's going on uh, to then come up with solutions and find the right people as part of your team to be help you to implement that. Now, one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people, Mr. Dyke, is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? Well, um, you know, as I told you, I'm working on, on a, um, uh, on another book and I, you know, I've been working on this about six, seven years and it's, um, uh, on private equity. It's, hopefully this will be the third in the pirate series. And, um, um, so I'm working on another book because the, the thing about a book is that it's, it's a way to, I get leverage in that, um, you know, uh, so always invest in yourself. So um, I'm investing, I'm investing in another book, I'm investing in my own business, uh, in, in software and, and, and new staff and so forth. So always invest in yourself, you know, um, other things that stay out of debt, stay out of debt and, and manage your debts, pay off. Okay. Um, you know, uh, you know, because you know what Mark Twain said about bankers. Mark, you know, he said, he said a, a, a banker will give you a, uh, an umbrella when the sun is out and take it away when it rains. So, <laughs> so true. So you know, true. so what you know, so what we have now is, and yeah, and, and this is education. We're everyone's being sold a college education is a panacea. Well, I'm not against education, but guess what? It's a, it's a debt. It's a, the student debt now is, is, is gone from 2007 to half a trillion dollars to 1.4 trillion today. Right. So the, so you have the, you know, the academia really kind of getting uh, surviving off all the debt and they don't want to talk about that. And, um, and then the, then the irony of, the irony of all this stuff is some of your major uh, 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 institutions, i.e. Um, Ivy League academia are actually some of the benef- uh, beneficiaries of, of the government largesse. So right. you like you have you have Wharton the whole thing, and um, which is you know the Ivy League schools got forty three billion dollars out, out of the government. But so the thing is, yep. Yeah, so you you want to you know stay out of debt, invest in yourself, you know, build savings. There's a difference between savings and investing. But so save money first. Have a pool of patient capital first of all, because when you have uh, patient capital, then you can take advantage of opportunities. And, um, you know, so, so, the, so, so, the, so, you know, invest in yourself, you know, stay out of debt. Um, um, and, and really don't buy things, you know, you know, uh, really, you know, to impress people you don't like, you know? Exactly. And it's so true about college, the, the whole college education thing now too. It's not about degrees anymore. It's about skills and skill sets. And that's the new way of the, the information age. Uh, a piece of paper is not going to help you anything if you don't have the skill sets to provide value for other people around you and your community um, and the world. Yeah. Cause you, you know, anyone who hires me or hires you or whatever, or, uh, or anyone for that matter, I mean, we're, 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 we're being hired to solve people's problems. Right. You know, and so the thing is how we, you know, this is kind of my, uh, goes back to my Christian roots, but 
it's really how do we become a major service to our fellows? Right. You know, you know, and me, I, I do it by exposing some of this stuff and helping people, you know, um, you know, refloat their, you know, the balance sheets and all that stuff and really be of service to them. And, uh, you know, you know, protect them, you know, if they live too long or they, they die too soon. Um, and, and really, you know, help them, you know, realize their financial dreams. And it's not just, and I'm, I, and the thing is, that I don't measure just wealth in, in terms of money. I, I've, I've dealt with people with, you know, a hundred million dollars and they're miserable. And I've dealt with people with nothing and they're, and they're happy as, as clams. So, I mean, money is not my only yardstick in terms of real prosperity. So true. And that ties into my next question, because a core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Uh, That's a great question. Um, I guess... uh... Uh, well, I actually, I, I call it my five F's, okay? Okay. Uh, all right, so uh, I call it my five F's. And the first thing is is to have uh, faith. I mean, I have a faith in, in a God. I call Jesus Christ, okay? But that's, you know, so whatever you're, uh, so have faith. And number two is uh, uh, believe in family. Uh, you know, uh, no one, you know, I think family is, is the greatest. I, I think you, didn't you have young children now, Michael? Didn't you ever knew? Went to your household, so really yes. the best you know, the best thing is really look at your family as much as you possibly can. Although when you, my kids are older now, so they give me even grayer hairs, but uh, uh, always you know invest in your family. Uh, number three is friends. No one does this on their own. Um, I don't. I certainly have a lot of doors have been opened me through friendships I've created. I don't do it on my own. Uh, number 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 uh, four, if you will, be uh, would be fitness, physical fitness. Because the way everything looks right now, I mean, the healthcare system is a mess. So take care of yourself. Eat right, you know, sleep right, uh, you know, exercise, all that stuff. I, I'm a really big believer. And the last thing is finances, you know. So I think really that's kind of like my five Fs, you know. So and so faith, family, friends, physical fitness, and finance. And then, you know, if you, you know, for finance, you know, you get, you know, someone you, you trust and uh, who's really dedicated to what they're doing. And, um, and, and get a tight ship and, and stay out of debt. I mean, um, you know, uh, and, and look, and look what, you know, some of the elites do. I mean, this is a, you're in, uh, Pennsylvania. So Comcast is a major employer there, a uh, major corporation there. Look at, look what, uh, the Ralph Roberts, who, uh, Brian Roberts, excuse me, Ralph uh, just died, but, uh, Brian Roberts, he, he's the CEO of Comcast and he has over, $223 million in life insurance, um, which is the largest one I was able to find in a publicly uh, uh, traded individual. So if he's doing that, there must be some good reason for this. So, I mean, so yeah, don't take my word for it. Do your own research. Um, see what some very smart people are doing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mr. Dyke, how, how can my listeners learn more about you, your company, your radio show and podcast, and stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Yeah, yeah, sure. They can uh, go to um, barryjamesdyke.com. And uh, if they want to, I have a radio show called The Economic Warrior. And last week I had uh, Jay Leno on, which was kind of cool. But I've had David Stockman, David Walker, and a lot of top economists and so forth. And that's 
free of charge. I do that part of my community, uh, Michael. I mean, I, it's a community radio. It is legitimate terrestrial radio. Um, so they can, and, they, and it's on a local Portsmouth community radio station, but I announced that, uh, and so they can find it by going barryjamesdyke.com and they can order my books. They can contact me, um, um, directly. And, uh, I'll, I'll try to get to, I can't get to everybody, but, uh, I'll do my best to uh, keep you informed. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners. And I want to personally thank you for the role that you've played in my development and understanding and uh, studying and uh, expanding my knowledge base around all of these concepts uh, and matters. Well, my pleasure and uh, good luck and God bless you too. This is MC Laubscher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Alhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining the capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy according to the infinite banking concept. If you're interested to learn more about privatized banking and the infinite banking concept, you can access an exclusive webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. Thank you for joining my guest, Barry James Dyke, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I can provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. If you're not a subscriber to the Cashflow Ninja Gushku newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. You can also support the show by becoming a patron on Patreon for $10 a month. When you become a patron for 12 months, you get access to our private Facebook page and a Cashflow Ninja t-shirt. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinupspropertiescom or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. If you're not earning at least 8% on your cash, you do not want to miss the private lending presentation for non-accredited investors done by Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott. Discover how to create an income stream from real estate without the management headaches. You can access the presentation at cashflowninja.com forward slash private lending. Creating passive income for you and your family is easier than you think. All you need are three things. The right plan, the right product, and the right turnkey provider. As an investor, you want a safe, profitable, and convenient way to invest your capital without being at the mercy of stock market fluctuation. Investing in real estate in a turnkey way that provides monthly passive income with very low risk is exactly what Spartan Invest provides for their clients. Their mission is to make investing in real estate easy for the busy professional. Spartan Invest help investors create passive income and wealth 
through turnkey ownership in Birmingham, Alabama. You can download your free report, Five Big Reasons to Invest in the Magical City of Birmingham, Alabama, at cashflowninja.com forward slash Spartan. The wealthiest families on the planet know how to capture their wealth and then leveraging their wealth through their own banking system. If you're interested in privatized banking and the infinite banking concept and learning the premier strategies of the wealthiest individuals and families on the planet, you can access your free webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness. 